This is the Recruitment Rollercoaster Podcast. My name is Hisham Azuz, and this is the show where I bring to life the true failures, the true successes, and the true learnings from recruiters and recruitment business owners globally. This podcast is now sponsored and supported by Hunted. Hunted is one of the best places on the internet for recruitment content. Of course, one of the reasons why I decided to partner with them is crucially, we share a common goal to help recruiters get better at their jobs. Hunted write about everything you can need in your career, from productivity hacks to helping your time management to TED Talks and reading lists. They offer in-depth insights into worldwide destinations and of course, there's everyone's favorite recruitment wolf, Mr. Ed Hunter, who's not quite as scary in real life, but that is a story for another time. If you haven't yet checked out Hunted's content, you will not be disappointed. Welcome to the Recruitment Rollercoaster podcast. My name is Hisham Azuz, and today I'm joined by Rob Hanna, who is the owner of Kasoon Car. Got it right? Got it right. I was practicing that for like two minutes, Rob, so (laughs) thank you. so yeah, Rob, we are in, let's set, set the scene. So we're in a uh, boardroom, is this? This is a meeting room in, what street are we on? We're on One King Street. One King Street. So right by bank, really nice offices. Yeah, we're very privileged to be yeah. here, I have to say. Yeah, very nice offices, um, just off cheap side. So yeah, for those it's years, nice. Yeah, exactly. really cool. So um, that's where we are today. But as I was saying, um, Rob, where I always love to start, how did you get into recruitment? The golden question. (laughs) Um, You probably haven't heard this response before, but I always didn't wake up one day thinking I was going to be a recruiter. Yeah. Um, Now, I fell into recruitment very much so. Um, I was actually got a call from a a rec to rec whilst I was at university. Um, And I thought they were pitching me a job for Procter & Gamble at the time. (laughs) They were talking about sort of marketing, advertising, sales, and kind of really sold this role to me. Sold you the dream. Um, And anyway, I sort of stumbled along King William Street and found myself at a recruitment firm interview. (laughs) And uh, very much from there, I I quickly learned about the industry and and fell into it. But the honest answer is I was very much given a call by a rec to rec post-university and and fell into it. It wasn't something that I had initially considered um, as a career. Uh, I did a business management degree with French. Uh, French is somewhat passable now at best. Um, really? But yeah, that's what I did at Leeds University because it was one of the, at the time a, a good university for employability um, on the business school and sort of the top. Did 10. you always want to go uni? Like, was that always on the plan or the agenda? Or? It it was. I guess it was. Um, you know, following A levels, it was something I was really keen to try and pursue. Yeah. Not just so so from the. Um, the sort of academic perspective, but I think from the sort of social perspective yeah, as well, yeah, and the general enough. character Where building. Where are you from originally? So I'm from Leicestershire originally, okay. um, and that was one of my passions for, for setting up Kasoon um, Car, in fact, because um, my grandfather ran a, um, a very successful law firm in the oh, 1950s okay. um, called Rich and Car solicitors um so i always had a passion to kind of emulate his success okay. in business and well, we're definitely gonna get into that yeah That's exactly okay so fell into recruitment the rec rec called you you had no idea what the hell was going on and then from when i looked at your linkedin you ended up at the uh, infamous s3 indeed yeah so i had um you know Good time at S3. I, I How long jo- was you there for? So I was there for 18 months. Okay. And I probably joined at a very interesting time, shall we say. Mm-hmm. I, I joined in the 2008 Lehman's crash. Oh, wow. So, you know, first day, foot through the door. Um, I'm seeing people carrying PCs, you know, seeing people <laughs> sort of, you know, walking in and out of the office, frantically screaming, Lehman's is going down, Lehman's is going down, you know, headhunt, headhunt, headhunt. Yeah. Um, and that meant nothing to me at the time. You know, yeah. I, I didn't understand. I'd barely had a training question. Um, course at that point um but it really kind of chucked me in at the deep end and you had to kind of learn your stripes and, and i have to say s3 was really good at kind of the fundamental basics were training of recruitment yeah. and my first manager at the time really kind of 
looked after me and sort of put an arm around me at the time because there was a chance where, you know, there was going to be redundancies. The market had been, you know, What, what market did you go into? So I've, I've actually diversified across four markets. So um, what did you do I when you started? started originally in oil and gas in the oil energy space. Okay, yes. And you did that for 18 months? I did that for 18 months. Okay. And then um, following that, and that was a good experience, my, my boss actually left... Um, to join a business that he was a director in a boutique business and, and I had a very good relationship with them. Um, and I kept that sort of relationship and yeah. I always wanted to sort of explore. I'd been in the big global environment, a big yeah. recruitment industry, and I wanted to try something different. Um, yeah. So he sort of suggested coming to join them. So, so I did. Okay, cool. um, and that's sort of how I made my, my sort of first move yeah, um, yeah. So in the recruitment sector. Before we get, before we get into that quickly, um, what I always just like to, to sort of um, try and understand and cover, I think obviously I said to you before we spoke and did this, but um, what, what really um, planted the seed to start this was just, just my experience in the first year. Yeah. It was extremely difficult, yeah. um, extremely tough. Um, so how, were you, how was your first 12 months in recruitment? So I'm, I'm very open to people and saying I was very much a first year flop. Okay. Um, I didn't take to recruitment naturally whatsoever. And I think that's, and that was quite a shock to me because I'd always been sort of in sports teams, you know, played at yeah, quite you've competitive always, always level. Done all right. Yeah, well, not, not in an arrogant way, but I'd always thought, no, you yeah, know, I was confident back to back yeah. myself. So I thought, you know, it's as easy. It's just finding people jobs, um, <laughs> you know, which we all know it's not. Yeah. There's a lot more to it. Um, so yeah, I was, um, I struggled. I really kind of didn't grasped the basics as quickly as some of the other people would you know my general qualification skills my meeting skills you know my understanding of my market and how to get good at the job you know really shadowing the top billers really learning from them via osmosis you know all those things you should be doing i wasn't really doing and so i wasn't, Why wasn't you doing them was it did you think you was too did you think like was there was there an element of not having humility at that point and thought you knew better or i just it? think i wasn't i, I didn't start you know at, one thing was I wasn't as focused as like looking back on it now, yeah. you know, the way I planned really my days. Yeah, I was very reactive. I was going to work. I thought I was doing well, but I wasn't getting the results, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, in that environment, you are targeted on targets naturally. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I wasn't kind of billing what I should have been billing. So, you know, I was lucky that I had a supportive team at the time that sort of said, do you know what, they backed me because I think it could have gone the other way. The, was you doing the right activities and were you giving it, giving it a go? A good I was doing the activities, but I probably wasn't doing them to the standard that was needed okay. to, to really build. Because you know, you meet some people who were, you know, wonderful billers in their first year yeah. and it really cook up. I'm genuinely not that case. So um, when you say it was a flop, what did you build in your first year? Uh, I probably build about 100, 100K in my first year. Mate, that isn't that bad. <laughs> do, you know, do you know how much I built in my first year? How much did you build? I'm very for? open. 24K. But <laughs> what was your market? <laughs> man, there's no way I'm, I'm blaming the market in that scenario. It was, um, it was just really difficult, mate. I think so. I recruited in the in the insurance sector. Yeah. Um, I was in a business of between eight and twelve people, um, and I, I basically just did everything that my um, the people around me told me to do. Mm. And the thing is, why I didn't lose my job was just simply because I, I sat next to the owner of the business and I was I absolutely worked my socks off yeah. in, in that first year. Like it wasn't an element of not listening, thinking I, was, I knew better, these things. Um, yeah. And they just kept saying to me, Hisham, keep doing what you're doing and doing the right activities, it will pay off. And obviously you may have experienced it now when you hire for your business, which we'll get onto, but I, I really experienced that tipping point. Um, but yeah, mate, that's, that's, I mean, 100K in your first year isn't the uh, end of the world. What, no, what were the I mean, I had, a I, had a, uh, I had a target of around sort of 160 to 180K. Really? Was it so term or contract? It was permanent. So I've always okay. mainly been permanent. I've okay, done cool. sort of an element of contract as well. Um, but yeah, so in, in my eyes of the people that I was working with, you know, I was sort of Flop. halfway off target. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I joined S3 as well at the time because it was a big brand. You know, you're surrounded by top, top billers. You know, yeah. you always want to push yourself to be the best, uh, in my opinion. And so, yeah, I, 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 and I was surrounded by people, you know, who are billing, you know, five, six hundred or people who have got sort of, you know, a hundred runners on a temp desk, yeah, that, yeah, you know, yeah. and it's lucrative. It's really impressive people. Yeah, exactly. So I guess so. before, before we move on to the, the next part then, I'm always just so fascinated by asking sort of this whole S3 environment, what it was, just because now I'm moving to, so I used to recruit in um, a small business, as I was saying, in, in Harris Heath, so outside of London, and then obviously moving to London, 
um, I've been exposed to this sort of whole world of uh, recruitment in London, right? And obviously yeah. S3 is a huge, huge, huge brand. Yeah. So I'm just, just before we move on, I'd love to sort of get from you going from not knowing um, what recruitment was and these things to then being in an environment that so many people speak highly of and has produced so many businesses and yeah. so many um, successful people. What was your perception and experience of working in, in the S3 environment? So you just mentioned a bit of it there, but yeah. what was, what, how would you describe the experience and that, that whole time? I think S3 was uh, a genuinely great experience. And from my cohort as well, there's probably 10 business owners just alone from exactly. people I started with. So it's true. What I think um, I enjoyed about S3 at the time was they really do focus in on training. I mean, mm. I didn't know, you know, Recruitment isn't rocket science. People no. can dress it up however they want. It, it's not. It's simplifying the job. I didn't know what an open question was when I first started <laughs> there. I didn't know how to effectively qualify. You know, and they really do work you to understand how to get good at the job. Yeah. So I was very lucky in terms of they invested in me in terms of sort of formal training. And I was very mm. grateful for that. And then they also give you a lot of opportunity to get involved. So And they put you in a team and they kind of really do push you to do as well as you can. So I think my really high standards. Yeah, it's high standards and I think um, that's what I enjoyed about my, my time there but it's I would say the training of actually going through sub the sub practice areas of what it takes to be a good recruiter yeah um, you know is, is second to none and they generally ca you know you'd have catch-ups you'd have sort of progress meetings you'd have targets you'd have a vision of where you needed to go so I think the whole makeup of being in the global company and kind of being surrounded by top performers but them also giving you the platform to yeah. get good at the job that's really interesting they married together very nicely yeah, for me yeah. so I, I was actually very grateful for nice. that experience so you built a really good relationship with your manager you yeah. said and then he went off and set up on his own so he went to join another um, a business okay. that he was a, basically become a director in as well where there was sort of you know one other owner of the business yeah. and as I say I kept that relationship Relationship, yeah, yeah. Um, but that was in a completely different sector. So, okay, so you I, went to oil and gas and then what sector? Yeah, so I had a year and a half of oil and gas sort of energy experience. Um, and then I moved into procurement. Procurement? So, procurement and supply chain. So, okay. yeah. And did I know much about procurement and supply chain at the time? Absolutely not. You knew recruitment now, though. But I knew recruitment. <laughs> and that's the one thing I'd say is it, that recruitment has a very good transferable skill set. Mm. Um, so many things that you can get from recruitment. And yeah, I joined there and I really took to it. You know, it was okay. a market that... Um, so how long was you there for, just to sort of... So there? I started there, I joined there as sort of a consultant stroke senior consultant. Okay. Um, and I was there for the best part of five years. Oh, okay, so um, a real solid stint. Yeah, and again, I really enjoyed my time there. So I, I progressed, I was the first um, organically grown um, director of the business. Okay. So from joining uh, as a consultant, very much sort of within that five-year window into my sort of third and a half, fourth year being made a director. Yeah. And I really enjoyed that journey because it was completely different to the S3. You know, yeah, S3, imagine. big global outfit, you know, everywhere, all the infrastructure, everything you would like, to moving to an office where, you know, at the time, um, you know, we're in the basement, you know, yeah. and we really, I really enjoyed being part of that. Part of the Because I learned the directors there, one of the directors in particular, probably one of the best recruiters I've ever had the experience of working with. Really? Um, you know, you could get so close to them and you can learn from them, you can mm. shadow them. And so, you know, from moving from a basement to being on sort of, you know, Fleet Street, moved to the office from sort of, you know, a few people to sort of 20, 30 people, you know, going on that journey, I really, really enjoyed it. Cool. So... Let's let's unpack that. Yeah. I think there's there's definitely so but then just just so then um I know the the timelines and just to think so then um, so you was there for five years and, yeah. then, and then was it after there that you then set up your own recruitment business? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Okay, cool. Exactly. So before we get onto that then, um five years and by that by the time you left you was a, a director level, you started as a consultant stroke senior consultant. Um so I guess the first thing and how did you deal with then the, the transition of the market? Because a lot of people obviously, uh, as anyone, I think I'd be the same. Like if I had built up relationships and people for 18 months, 12 months, 24 months, however long, to then um, te chuck that away or whatever you want to call it, to, the, to go into a different market and these things, obviously that's a real challenge, yeah. right? Because it's pretty much standing from zero again. Do you get what yeah. I mean? So how, how, firstly, how was that transition? Because there'll be a lot of people listening that, maybe considering a move or considering um, a different market, whatever, but that, that obviously is a huge thing to think about. Yeah. So what, how did you deal with that? 
Um, well, I think firstly, I had I had trust. Yeah. Um, I had trust in the people that I was joining. So I wasn't joining a brand new business in the procurement space. Okay. It had been, you know, a very established, high so performing. So that's a really important factor, isn't it? So yeah. although it, you were starting it from zero potentially, but the people that you was working alongside and supporting um, had a recognized yeah. brand or had been they, there for a while. They had so it wasn't a complete cold desk. No, it wasn't okay. a complete cold desk. They had built up a fabulous business, um, you know, and worked day and night to do that and to achieve that. So, you know, I had a, obviously I had a previous relationship which which was helpful, yeah. and I, I had a trust there, as I That's mentioned. Fair That's a really good point. Um, so, yeah, I but I also a big part of this, and one thing I say is you've got to be prepared to take risks. You know, throughout your careers, if you want to kind of push yourself and get to the the highest level you can get to, um, you've got to take risks and, and for me I wanted to exploit a boutique environment I wanted to take a risk um, and so I, I, I took it and I put myself out of the comfort zone and I kind of knew I'd have to kind of really work 10 times harder than everyone else who's already in that procurement space to, to stand a chance mm. and I was prepared to do that so how did you how did you start learning about the market how did you do that um, obviously I've got a lot of training internally um, but then you've got to read around the market and the other thing is we all know your candidates are your source of information yeah, right yeah, yeah. so Getting back to your point about the recruitment skills and mm. knowing recruitment prior to going in with your eyes wide open, you know, one candidate can be a source of a lot of information. For so, sure. though, you know, I, I really at that point I understood how to qualify candidates. I knew how to extract information. Mm. I knew how to process that information. I knew how to use that in part of my own business development strategy when trying to win clients. And I knew that in terms of how I could use that for my own personal branding. And also, the company was very good at supporting you in terms of getting you in front of events and getting in front okay. of key people. So, yeah, there was a lot of kind of ways but I had to be proactive you know it didn't yeah. come to me I think if you're going to take a risk um, you've got to be prepared to be proactive and you've got to be prepared to fail as well mm. luckily enough you know and I had had failings I talked to you about my first year mm. flop I didn't um, comparatively to other people around me in mm. that environment um, you know this time I had to go in as well I had to really go for it but it mm. wasn't you know it wasn't again I didn't smash my first three months I took I took to it but it sort of took sort of three to six months to really get going and then it kind of kicked in yeah okay cool so then and then what what was the timeline of um, you being consultant, right, senior consultant? Um, and then what was the next stage after that? What did you then progress to? So then it would go to sort of principal. So every year I basically managed to sort of hit, hit a promotional target. So it would be principal consultant, manager, senior manager, director. Okay, um, cool. And it was a very, you know, it was a very... So was it all just done on billings, basically? It, of course, billings are important. And I think, you know, we can't shy away from that. You do need to hit billing targets. But I think when you're in a boutique um, or in a smaller firm as well, it's important that you're, you've got the interests of the company. Yeah, so there's you've other got, things as well. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, as you get more senior you're probably taking on people under your wing okay. so you, you know it's not just about your billing it's about can you get others to bill and can you get them to be developed and can you get them to improve um, I think what can you do for the company generally um, in terms of building the overall brand in terms of actual you know what, what can you do more to add value than just being someone who's, okay, I'm a director, but actually what else are you doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's it like your own business. Yeah, and it had a good like sort of family feel to it. And yeah, exactly. Treating it like your own business. So billings, you can't, you can't progress without billing. That, that's, that's a given. Yeah. Um, but you need to do more. And little things, you know, you, you'd want to hold your hand up if you wanted to be the social secretary or if you wanted to, you know, get involved in a particular event or if you wanted to sponsor something you know all of these things if you hold your hand up and actually add value to the company then that that's Put also out there. yeah exactly that's okay. well rewarded so you mentioned about um the first year flop like how yeah. what, how what was the so assuming that you progress each time then so th it seems like that did was it pretty positive a pretty, pretty positive experience over those five years in terms of did you keep hitting your targets billings increased yeah. Overall performance increased. As I, say, say? I, as I say, I think I was surrounded, particularly the owner of the company was one of the best recruiters I've, I've, I've worked with. And why so why being, is that? Let's, let's put, um, talk about I that. I think just really knew how to do good recruitment and never cut corners. Okay. Never cut corners. You know, um, was very good at sort of drilling that into people in terms of how to do best in class recruitment. Um, you know, from little things to making sure that, you know, direct dials, you knew the direct dial at the time. Now it's yeah. obviously more, but all the little fundamental basics from administration to influencing, to qualifying, to closing, to continuous closing, you know, really tr all of those skill sets were, were really ingrained into you. And I think really? that was really great to see and really helped you move from a sort of, you know, substandard biller to a top biller. Let's break that down a bit. Yeah. I'm thinking people listening makes sense, but what, 
So you just said there makes you just said that those things there, which you did. I just think that's really interesting, and everything that you said resonated. But I'm thinking, okay, let's just make that crystal clear and unpack that. So the key things there that you mentioned, a good biller or great biller to a, a top class biller. What what? How would you break those down from what you saw from the from this chap that clearly was a bit of a mentor to you and had a big influence on you? Well, they. I think firstly, I look at the traits in the individual. Okay. Um, I think the the person that I was sort of emulating and wanted to be part of, you know, hard work. I think okay, they really work. were hard working. I know that sounds like a bit of a ch- cliche, but no, they really but were exceptionally yeah. hard working and committed and had their own internal drive. Okay. Um, and I think really to be a successful recruiter, you need to have an internal drive. What do you um, mean by internal drive? You know, you've got to, I, I, I openly admit that I've got a bit of a chip on my shoulder. You know, I want to be, you know, the best I can be. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I think something that motivates you have your own goals and an internal drive that's going to drive you day to day. Because yeah. I see so many people, what I describe as sort of commute and coast. Okay. And so they, they go to work, they do the job. Commute and coast, I like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it, but it's, it's there and everyone can see it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And, you know, there's, there's people in my sort of network that I I see it and I try and actually mentor people how to move out of that mindset actually just Mm. because they're in their job and you know like well I just get the same bonus every year it's like well what more can you do so actually trying to change people's mindsets Mm. um, a little bit so work ethic so work ethic for sure Mm. I think subject matter expert really knowing their their market and how how did he achieve that how did you do that uh, they achieved that by basically networking, 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 okay, networking. Cool. networking. Yep. Okay. They were a key networker, a key networker. And then I think it comes down to fundamental recruitment skills. Okay. And I think one of the best recruitment skills, well, two of the best recruitment skills that they had were objection handling okay. and influencing. Nice. I think we get day-to-day objections. You yep. know, a top biller can learn. There was a phrase we had called learn to love objections. And learn because, to love objections. Yeah, because yeah, so many yeah. young recruiters, I used to get scared when I was like, there's no way they're going to take this salary. There's no way they're going to do that location. Yeah, there's yeah. no way two days a week's enough for them. You know, but we actually created a culture like we embraced objections. You know, we learned to love objections. And so we actually had lots of strategy meetings and we had lots of discussions about, okay, let's learn to love objections. Let's talk about how we can go dissect that. So we really understood the objection handling process. And then once you understand the objections, obviously you've got to move to more of the influencing and selling side of things. So again, I think what made them exceptionally good is one of the best sort of, you know, objection handling people have ever met. And then also one of the best sort of, you know, influential people and salespeople and the final piece to the puzzle is obviously then closing. Mm. Yeah, you've got to be able to close. You can do all the hard yards. You can sort of manage everything, manage yeah. everything, manage everything. But you've got to be able to close. So I think they were the key sort of things. So I'd say hardworking, subject matter expert and technical skill sets and yeah. finessing those technical skill sets day in, day out, minute by minute. Um, really, really important. That's, no, I think that you put that really well. That's that's really interesting. So um Thanks for sharing that. No worries. That was, no. That, that was good. Yeah. Um, and, but this didn't come overnight either. And yeah, I think yeah, yeah. it may, may just be rolling off the tongue quite naturally, but people actually listening to this, you know, as I say, I, I always rewind to when I first started. And I even say to the modern day, I'm still learning recruitment. Yeah, of course. And I think anyone who shuts their eyes off to think they're an expert in the modern world, particularly with technological advancements, AI and everything that's going on, you've got to be prepared to continuously learn. But if you're prepared to learn, then you're prepared to succeed. But, but I think obviously, I, I think it's safe to say, but like if you really double down on those core things there that you put together really nicely, you have a really good chance on increasing your billings, increasing yeah. your performance, becoming better and better in, in your in your job. And do you know what I was scared of when I first started that I wish I'd asked for more is um, more help from my colleagues. Help, yeah. Because, you know, if someone's doing a really good job, don't just look over to them in the office and be bitter. You know, befriend be them. Jealous, yeah. yeah, you know, I know there's this competitive element in recruitment firms, but actually, you know, if you built... So, Build internal stakeholder relationships, you know, Mm. really befriend your cohort and people around you because, you know what, if they're doing a good job, you want to learn from them. And there's a thing that we have internally here that I say to people is come to work every day and improve by 1%. Nice. You know, because if you improve by one percent every day, there's over two hundred and sixty odd working days a year. You know, that's over two hundred and sixty percent worth of self development every day. Yeah. And it could be just from a turn of phrasing, could be to a you know an emotional play, it could be to yeah. a tweak on an email, it could be any little thing. But if you actually really come to work every day and don't commute and coast and be something different and want to improve, you can do very very well. Yeah, that's that's really interesting, mate. So. Um, before we get really keen to get into sort of your your journey so far with um, your own business and stuff, but um, so really well put there that you learned from someone in the business that you really well respected, 
as you meant, as you quoted, one of the best best recruiters you've been around. So you really tried to emulate this person, learn learn from this person, right? Um, so then, just, just to help me out. So then, billings wise, how do we do here then? Like, did you continue to improve? What 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 were the, talk to me a bit about that because. Again, think of the people listening and, and what people want to understand is there'll be people listening that did build 180K in their first year or now in their second, third year and still are around that 200, 250, 100K mark but can't get break yeah. through that, right? So yeah. did you continue to up the billings? And if so, let's talk a bit about how you continue to do that. Yeah, I think, yes, I did. So yeah. I, I did, it did suddenly click. So from being the first year flop, then it did continuously click. Um, so yeah, you'd be going through your numbers and year by year, they'll be going up and you had to, to ensure that you got the title promotions every year. Yeah. Um, but I think as you become established in a market, you, you work smarter, you know? Mm. So the quality of my jobs, you know, the commitment from my clients, my rates, you know, all of the things that are important to working smart as a recruiter got better. You know, I had more exclusive candidate relationships, you okay. know, I had more exclusive clients. Um, all of these things amassed to me what, what I call working warmer. So, Ooh, okay. so if you can work a lot warmer, you're going to be able to bill a lot more because if you're, you're still sort of, you know, going out there doing lots of cold BD or lots of cold work, then, you know, you're, you're still operating at 120K a year billing, right? Mm. There's no way you can get better. But if you've actually built up those relationships on the candidate and client side, I have a thing that we, we call here, which is sort of, you know, inch wide, mile deep. Okay. Um, and you want to be a subject matter expert and really kind of, you know, whichever area you're recruiting in. And at the time, you know, as I say, it was in procurement supply chain, but break that down into a sub practice area. You want to be the expert within that in terms of knowing everyone and really influencing and working with everyone. And so I was able to do that. And so as a result of that, you know, my billings increased year on year. Okay. Yeah. Really is that good. helpful? Yeah, no, that is, no, that no, that is. But what, what I'm, I'm, I'm just curious, and I really, I really like working warmer element there. That's really interesting. So, again, thinking of the people listening, I'm thinking, okay. So what you just said there is really cool. How can I? So if I'm right now still doing quite a bit of cold work, I'm two years, three years in, and I'd like to think I do have some sort of relationships. But how, how did you then? get more warmer work like how did you then go from not last year not having as many exclusive clients or exclusive jobs exclusive candidates etc etc so how did you then start really moving into that just to break that down a bit more in a bit more practical sense because i think i think that'd be really valuable um because that's what you did right yeah that's what you continued and that that then obviously in correlation meant that your billings went up in, in like what was your best year in those five years so within the five years so it's i have two because obviously my biggest achievement was i had to bill i became an overall director where i had basically over a million sort of in terms of team and myself and that was quite a big commitment of billings yeah, so that's I was huge. Quite, yeah so i was very very proud of that kind of yeah. you know achievement and then for me from going from 100k then sort of one year i think was 180 yeah. 250 300 sort of 350 plus and then obviously you're moving into more of the kind of team managing yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so and then, so that that's really impressive and i know people yeah. will be like okay well how did you do that and you're already giving us some really good stuff around that so i'm just thinking yeah as as you then sit obviously if you think then i'm sure you would have looked back at your year and gone right so this is how i'm going to get even more out of that account or this is how exactly. I'm gonna, do you get what i mean so just just a bit more practicality around working warmer i think would be really cool because so i think yeah. i i don't know if in my opinion, when I was at the junior level, I didn't do enough analysis. Okay, nice. And analysis is very important. So I actually had two or three clients that um, I was doing deals with, but actually when I was doing more research into the area, I knew they're going to have a lot more appetite to hire. Okay. So I knew I already had the key decision makers on side. Yeah. And that's HR and line. Yeah. Because in that market, you needed to be, you needed to, be, but yeah. you needed to have both on yeah. play. So I knew one of the professional services firms, um, due to research and market areas, was basically going to need to double in size. So I'd always, every end of year appraisal, I'd analyze which clients that I really wanted to penetrate and where I believe there's going to be demand. Nice. And as a result of that, I could really penetrate them further to increase my billings. And that made it attractive to prospective candidates. Because if you can paint the story that you've got a track record and they can see people that have actually kind of progressed and stayed yeah, with yeah. the firm. And equally, if they're going on a journey and you can communicate that journey and how that benefits their careers and what they're looking for. So I think a lot of analysis, and that's the whole point I say to people, treat recruitment as a career yeah. because you're dealing with other people's careers. 
Yeah. So if you're not treating it as a career, you know, how are you communicating that clear message to yeah, other yeah. people? Um, so analysis of my clients and where there's going to be demand. And then I know where to invest my efforts because there's mm. no point in, you know, we all talk about work smart, hard yeah, work. you said work and smart. Yeah, so that's, so that's smart that. work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You've got to analyze where, where, where you're going to make the money, yeah. you know, ultimately. And then the other thing, as I got more senior was, of course, I needed to make sure I passed on my knowledge and experience to my team members, you know, because okay. the big thing for me, and I think where I want to kind of help raise the bar of recruitment is to change the, the sort of image of, you know, well, it's just, it's just finding people jobs or it's a bit dog eat dog yeah, or, yeah. you know, it's just like, you know, a bit of selling, you know, it's sharing knowledge. Yeah, you know, yeah. Let's, let's work together. You know, I actually do a lot of things now with friends of mine who are owners of other recruitment businesses and we have sort of dual training sessions and mm. things like that. And I think the other thing for me was, yeah, it's actually passing on the knowledge to, people but the other thing for people listening in who maybe are at the sort of 150 180 whatever it might be don't be afraid to ask for more help okay cool you know i think people just hide under their desks and worried that they're not going to hit their weekly targets or they're being and also if you're not sure that a kpi you feel it's just being given to you for the sake of hitting it then if you can justify why you think that should be reviewed then go and talk to someone about it because otherwise there's no, I've sat there before when I was given targets and I just couldn't get my head around why I needed to do X. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I do again have a discussion about it. And mm. so for people listening in, don't be afraid to upward manage. Mm. And I think a lot of, I was scared myself to upward manage when I first started. Um, but now I encourage people in my team, upward manage me. You know, I like to think I help people now, but you know, don't be afraid to upward manage because okay. that can help you kind of get better as well. Okay, so, so huge, a huge point there is, if you're not if you're not taking the time to take a step back, look mm-hmm. at where you're making your money. Yeah. Um, can cert, can certain client relationships? Can you make more out of that? Can you offer more of a service? Can you get more out of them, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera? Can obviously really enable you to know where you, where to put your efforts, but also enable you to take your billings to the next level and these things, right? Because you don't need obviously hundreds of clients to bill more do you no do you get what i mean that's no. that's the quite thing, the opposite right? in yeah fact. exactly and yeah. people and that's where people are like oh you know we used to have people say oh i'm doing some bd today and i i would look at them quite quite shocked when i knew they had sort of three or four good vacancies mm. you know with a client that they should be focusing on but it's like oh i'm going to bd that just says to me that they're not focused okay and so you've got to be focused you know mm. if you've got a client there that needs delivering and you've delivered on it before why do you not want to continue developing that relationship and growing that from sort of you know a small thing into quite a big thing mm. okay That's- so last thing then before we talk about um your own business and the journey that you've been on um what what were some of the so obviously you you progressed the the typical route as you said you then achieved a, a really big milestone in terms of um so how big was your team in the end or how many people did you manage so in the end so we had obviously lots of other um sort of managers within the team as well but when i left my directorship post there was around sort of 20 of us in total 22 23 okay. you know from how many joining people reporting to you indirectly everyone would have been sort oh, of, sorry, so okay. i was the overall director there oh, okay. with the other sort of main main director as well so i would have had responsibility for that okay which was you know which is which is a great honor you know i was yeah, very yeah. very privileged to sort of got to that that sort of level um but we really worked hard to develop and get good people through the door mm. and you know there were some wonderful billers at the end of the day mm. um so yeah so, really. key, so two, two things that i'd be interested in that just to get your perspective one um look there'll be people listening that Arguably, may want to do management, may not want to do management. But what were some of the key learnings that I'm sure you failed at when you started becoming um, a manager, started getting people under your wing, that yeah. you quickly learned that you had to change or adjust? That now looking back, you're like, yeah, I'd never manage people like that again, or whatever. Do you yeah. know what I mean? What are some of the key things around that? Um, I think some of my management failures were one. Um, I've always been a bit of a control freak, and that's actually <laughs> a bit of a bad thing when yeah. you're trying to be a manager because you can't you can't do the job for them. Exactly. You've yeah. got to let people learn from their own failures, you know, and that's actually where Estria was quite good for me. I learned from my own failures yeah. pretty quickly. So, you know, I was trying to do too much for them, you know, even if it's from drafting, uh, you know, their emails or to, you know, listening into absolutely every call, yeah. you know, all of those things. But actually, you know, you take a step back, you've got to allow people to grow. And, you know, you see all of these things, you know, you hire smart people, you don't want to completely sort of take all of that out of them. You want them to bring their own character, mm. bring their own style, because you've got to have your own brand. So I think for me, I would have kind of let people express themselves more and you shape and mold rather than dictate. 
Nice. I think that's the thing for me that I learned, um, you know, having been a bit of a control freak, having my own business, you know, wanting to build my own things. And I was like, well, why can't you do 300K? Yeah, why can't yeah, yeah. you do 400K? But it's not as simple so as how, that. So how did, how did you start letting go of that then? Was it a, do you know what I mean? What did you start letting these people do that typically you would have maybe had an influence on or yeah. held a hand through? Like, was it a process or? Yeah, I mean, what, well, we designed, you know, number of training. Once they'd gone through sort of training sessions and yeah. they, you know, you'd shadow them on enough candidate meetings, meetings and they'd shown enough then you kind of almost let them free in, yeah. in, in many respects and you're there as their counsel you know they can come to you if it's look I've got a real issue with trying to close this scenario yeah. or you know I've got another agency that's you know battling in on this this vacancy how can we get more commitment on it what so it's more of the kind of technical okay. brainstorming cool. scenarios um, but yeah once you've given them you know the, the fundamental basics um, you've got to let them run with it and create their own style yeah yeah I like okay and then the last thing then before we move on is um i'll be so you mentioned there that um re yeah real wanted to to be at the director level um see what the business grew to um had some really good people in the business so like through that process then what were some of the two things really what were some of the common sort of pitfalls that you saw in people that prevented them from going yep. to the next level right and then on the flip side of that what when you did have some really high achievers in your business what were the common things that you, you saw in them? I think they both go hand in hand, that okay. answer. And the answer is cutting corners. Okay. Um, because certain people will be aware, you know, people who can't get to the next level will, you know, back to the objection handling, will brush reservations under the carpet. Yes. Yeah. So I, yeah and everyone's guilty of that. And I was exceptionally guilty of that mm. as well. You would kid yourself. I'm going to close this deal. And they didn't even yeah. know the candidate has other interviews on the go, you yeah, know, as yeah, a yeah. basic example. Yeah, no, so, you know, I think cutting corners and being a control freak of your own business is what you've got to be, you know, your okay. own business. So you've got to know everything about your clients, everything about your candidates and be able to influence them because without the information, you can't do that. So I think people who couldn't progress are the ones who cut corners. So they wouldn't push to get better commitment. They wouldn't pitch a retainer to their clients. They wouldn't go and meet their clients an extra time because they needed to. They wouldn't really qualify. They wouldn't ask the challenging questions. They wouldn't challenge their candidates because they're afraid of, you know, that confrontation mm -hmm. element. You know, if you're professional and you approach things in the right way and you're doing your job for them, Mm. ultimately um you know there's no harm in actually asking the challenging questions um mm. and i found people that uh brushed reservations under the carpet who cut corners um, and didn't want to really finesse and improve by that one percent every day lo and behold they stay around the 180 um, and yeah, yeah. the 200k no, that's mark. a really good point um, whereas the real high achievers a they wanted to improve day to day and they were seriously committed and they had excellent control of everything don't cut corners, people. Don't cut corners. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. That's what my PT says to me as well. <laughs> <laughs> cool. No, I really like that. So um, have you always wanted to have your own business then? So yeah, that it was, it was with a heavy heart really that I left... Um, Five years is a long part of your recruitment yeah. journey, but I always had, and this is the thing I think you need to have, is a, is a passion. It comes back to my point at the beginning of the, the podcast that I had a passion to set up my own business and emulate what my grandfather did in so the legal world. He was a big world. role model for you. He was a very big role model for me, yeah. So he... Um, as I say, he, he ran a very successful law firm in the 1950s. Leicester, where I'm from, bizarrely, was the second richest city in the UK okay. uh, during that time due to the commercial and hosiery trade. And so he had a very successful, you know, self-made uh, legal practice that span out across the Midlands and had one of the largest outside of any other London law firm at the time. So, okay. you know, that was a real, I had real admiration for that. And I always wanted to, and this comes back to my next risk that I took uh, to want to have my own business. And so yeah. I had the passion, but of course I wanted to be good to my old employer. You know, I, I, I basically didn't want to go off and compete against yeah, somewhere yeah, yeah. I'd given five years of loyalty to um, and, you know, held them in very high regard. So, you know, I moved into legal recruitment, <laughs> <laughs> you know, which all of my friends were sort of scratching their heads. The you're, you're a director, you've got the house, you, everything's yeah, yeah, going yeah. great. Why on earth would you want to move into, let alone set up a business, put your own skin in the game into uh, an area you don't really know much about? Um, wow. So that was a big, big risk. But of course, there was a lot behind that in terms yeah. of research strategy and, you know, creating the right plan. But yeah, I guess the main drive was a passion and there was a family kind of um, emulation that I want and a legacy that I wanted to continue. Okay, that's really interesting. And then, and then just to set the scene then, 
How long have you been in business now? So now, so Kasun Car was um, incepted in April 2016. So we're sort of three and a bit years old. Um, yeah. And yeah, growing day by day and it's going fantastically and well. Right now, have you, uh, and how many of you are there right now? So there's six of us within the business at currently. Um, yeah. We obviously started with myself and my, my business partner. So you started with someone? Exactly, yeah. Okay. So, And I think another tip for people, um, if you're thinking of, turning recruiter into business owner is you've got to have good people around you yeah. and you've got to have good mentors how the hell around did you, you. How the hell did you convince this person then if you had no fucking idea about legal? And <laughs> like, how, did that, how did that happen then? So there, we were actually um, we were actually friends. So we were, we were friends previously. We'd followed each other's journeys um, and basically we were, we were able to sort of sit down and they were already in the legal market and had a separate, okay. they had a retained search business in the legal market. Um, and one of the best headhunters I've, ever met and one okay. of the best general kind of search people I've ever had the privilege of, of, of working with. And we shared a lot of the same values. So, you know, I needed a bit of a strategy when, when, when exiting. So, you know, I found a business partner through, through this relationship. Um, and from there, it's, it's just grown exceptionally well. But I mean, don't get me wrong. I've had to work day and night, had to learn the market. Yes, of course, I grew, I grew up in my grandfather's law firm, age 15, doing the shitty photocopying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I kind of saw what lawyers did. Yeah, and I kind some of, good, con interesting yeah, content. And I, and I kind of knew about it, right? And I've always yeah. been interested in the law generally because I think it's such a fascinating market. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there was strategy behind that. Um, so, was he, sure. so was he on the tools with you? or was he just uh, like did he just support you to start the business exactly exactly real oh, okay. support real okay, support and kind of you know genuine sort of you know co-founder and real real help um to the business so okay. you know without that that definitely would have been a struggle so i'm, I'm very grateful for, yeah, yeah. for okay. that and i've always big big believer in kind of team and you know working together and having the right people around you and good mentors yeah okay so um fair to say then it was pretty cold yeah, I mean, we're we're basically, you know, in one of every market's got it saturated, but legal recruitment, you know, there's a lot of legal recruitment so agencies how, out so there. So one of the most common things that people ask me, right, and I'd be really interested to see how you um, approach this then. Obviously, you had the support and, and the chat that you're talking about there, which, which is amazing and really smart. So I guess um, the most common thing that people... Um, uh, want to understand, learn more about is obviously business development, right? Yeah. Well, two things really, which I know was one of the things that you really wanted to touch on. So I'd really love to know as to sort of what your strategy was to go from, yeah, that those five years, really fruitful relationships yeah. to now in this world of legal, you've got someone that obviously you've got a really good relationship with, obviously is going to add value from, from that side of things, surely. But obviously that's going to be brand new to you, right? Yeah. So there's that. And then through that comes with, comes the resilience piece, right? Because yeah. So how, how, what was the strategy and how did you start approaching and building your client? Well, again, back to my topic of work warm. So obviously through the relationship that I had, yeah. um, you know, there, there was a lot of kind of cross referrals okay. and kind of introductions through that, which again, I'm immensely grateful for. Um, and then research, 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 you know, I had to kind of get my hands dirty and so I had, to, out the market. had to map out the market. You know, I'd be reading on Saturdays and, you know, if you want to do your own business, unfortunately, uh, well, it's, you can have a lifestyle business, absolutely. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you want to sort of business and to be in, you know, the top of your game, you've got to make some sacrifices. So, you know, Saturdays, Sundays, evenings, you know, I was researching, you know, and I was really mapping out the market and I was spotting trends and I was spotting where we could actually kind of enter the market and okay. where we could be different and where we could add value. And, and so, you know, it was a lot of hard work and you're absolutely right. Resilience throughout my career. I think, mm. you know, having that mental toughness, I think is really, really important because okay. there's always going to be highs and lows. Yeah, 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 exactly. So before we go on to that, mapped out the market, how the hell did you start getting clients then? So I think, again, there was um, an element of just being authentic. So, okay. you know, the name above the door, Kasun Car, actually has a real meaning and we have a legacy. And, you know, the fact that I guess it helped that I had almost got sort of, you know, seven or eight years experience as a recruiter. Yeah. You know, I, I really understood how to do good recruitment. Yeah. And once I'd also picked up the knowledge um, and, you know, I'd had these warm contacts as well, um, you know, I was able to do it, but I wasn't afraid to take risks. You know, I'd go and sit in front of, you know, partners in law firms and be able to sort of, you know, influence them through my skill sets that I'd had because I'd get tons of objections, you know, why should we use you? We've never heard of you. You know, what's your story? You know, why are you different? All of these things, but learn to love objections, right? Yeah. So all of my technical skill set that I'd learned from over the years that I'd really worked hard to master, I was able to implement into, um, into my new business that helped me win clients, helped me kind of 
grow and develop from there. So that's my point to people that recruitment is a very transferable skill set. If you can really understand and how to actually adopt those and don't be afraid to take risks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So did you so was your was your approach then to um yeah, try and maximize some of these crossover relationships, get yourself in front yeah. of some of these clients. So did you go clients first and then obviously start then trying to build a network of candidates or? No, because um, okay. actually, and this is a key point, you've got to understand your market. Is okay. your market client driven or is it candidate driven? Okay. And again, um, I'd actually been historically in more client driven markets. Really? Um, yeah, whereas the legal market is undoubtedly a candidate driven market. Okay. The candidate is king or queen. Okay. So, you know, and I understood that. So okay. I understood that law firms, you know, law firms are, are interested in, of course, providing excellent legal services to yeah. their to their to their to their clients, but at the same time making money, yeah. right? So if you can provide them, it's similarly to recruiters. If you can provide them with a good fee generator, a good lawyer, then you know there's going to be appetite for them to buy, right? Similarly yeah. with recruitment firms, someone can send me a great CV of a good recruiter that's got a proven track record. As long as they fit the cultural box, you know, you know, and they're good egg, the likelihood is we're probably going to be interested in meeting with them. Yeah, yeah. So I really understood that you know the market was a candidate driven market so I built up my candidate networks so then I can go and talk to my clients with actual that? product so I think you've got to well you've got to be a good headhunter that's <laughs> point okay. number one so you've got to be able to headhunt and again when you say headhunt what do you mean by that so I think because that all, all, all what I visualized that I wouldn't say when I was in recruitment I was a headhunter I mean so my visualization of a headhunter is and you've said there that the co-founder or whatever was one of the best headhunters that yeah. you met or whatever so what does that actually mean? Does that mean that you're calling people at their desk and saying, look, if you have this problem, I potentially have this solution for you. Let's speak after work. Like, what, what does that yeah. actually mean? And I think, by the way, people dress up the word headhunting. That's what I Ultimately, mean. Ultimately, headhunting is an introductory call. Could be an email. Could be a WhatsApp. It's an introductory form of communication. That's my definition of headhunting. Okay. Okay. Because people get really scared. It's like we're doing headhunting hour now. And I remember that when I was in some of the back in the day, headhunting hour. Oh, what does that mean? Oh, I'm really yeah, scared. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to headhunt someone. Take the stigma away from it. All we do is we talk to people, we consult people, and we try and help people with their further their careers, and we find solutions for our clients who are struggling with recruitment. I break it down very, very simply. So for me, it was about having sensible introductory conversations with key talent that was a demand for my, whether I knew there'll be a demand for potential clients, mm. so I can go and get clients. So we're talking what LinkedIn messages, emails, the normal normal lot. I think there's, there's, there's doing that, but it's, it's going above and beyond, right? Okay. So I'd know where key events were. Oh. I would know where people were kind of watching and where people were going because you can't just be the, the transactional, unless you're sending a very, and there's nothing wrong with sending LinkedIn messages, emails, and, you know, but don't just send a generic email. Mm. Study their profile, you know, send a really, you know, tailored, detailed, yeah. thought out, substantive message showing how you can add value. Okay. Because if you can't add value to someone, if you're just saying, hi, are you interested in opportunities? You're working on a one and probably a thousand response rate, right? Yeah, yeah, well, if you actually write to someone whose career, then, you know, so take, you're talking about take a step back, really think about how you can do things. And then, like I said, go above and beyond. If you know your key target market where there's going to be demand has got an event, you've got to get yourself through the door. You've got to go out and network yeah, but I'm face career, to face. Mate. How can I get an invite? How, how, well, that's a good question, but if you think about it, you can actually quite easily get an invite. <laughs> so this, How's that? So, and that's how you brand yourself. Okay. Because I don't, I believe now people need to be more than just recruiters. You need yes. to be a, you know, you need to be a consultant. Okay. And we have a thing at Kasum Cars. we work cradle to grave. So we work in placing candidates probably three or four times throughout their journey. Yeah. But, you know, actually adding value to the general marketplace. You know, we work in the legal industry, so we actually want to add value and, and give back to the legal industry. Okay. So, you know, be that in the form of article publications, be that in the form of, you know, hosting, sponsoring events, do that in terms of doing thought leadership. Yeah. Um, you know, do that in terms of, you know, general other campaigns, podcasts, yeah. all of these great things. Because now you can't just be... A recruiter you've got to be able to be seen as someone okay i want to go and speak to x because they're just an expert in my area so how, is that, got the how is that going to make me more money how's that going to make you more well it depends what um you define as what what's important to you because i think for me it's important to make money but it's also to have a good a recognized brand and reputation yeah. because reputation if you build up your reputation over the years the money will also come 
Okay. I think that's very, very important. So I think if people actually see you, similarly to you know what, what I see from a lot of people, if they're um, you know, really investing in their career yeah. and being seen as a real somebody that does more than just recruitment, yeah. I believe that will ten work tenfold. We have a thing as well here where we say contacts are great, but relationships pay. And I think that's okay, very important. Nice. I like Ev that ev saying. Everyone can love and know everybody, right? But actually, and people are like, oh, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Mm, to an extent, it's who knows you and who yeah, you have yeah. a relationship with. Okay. So, you know, that's why it's important. And that transfers to, yeah, that transfers to you then long-term. But I think it's important to be in an environment where, because some, I can understand what you're saying about making money and it's just so about just, the KPIs. I'm just thinking, yeah, okay, it because sounds great, but like, how does that increase my billings? Do you get what I mean? That's why I asked that. Absolutely, but I think that's where you have to move away from having a transactional view to yeah, having yeah, like, yeah. Do you know what? I want to be a consultative, longer term, relationship-driven recruiter and understand that I may not get the win straight away. You know, yeah. I may not break down that yeah, client. you have that, that paying forward mentality. That exactly, so, that. and that, but it comes back to when you're planning your days, I'd be amazed if every recruiter in London is genuinely planning their days meticulously and being selfish with their time because they should be because all of this other stuff when you say is also outside of hours right because your core time you're going to be working smart you're going to be working small um you know working warm so all the other stuff the brand building and everything else should just be an additional because you care about your career that's my viewpoint yeah yeah, yeah. okay um, that's really so how okay that's really interesting um really interesting point look i mean that that's something that i'm really passionate about and i think um yeah, everyone listening right now has such a unique opportunity to approach recruitment like that. As you said, I like how you rounded that up, that everything that you spoke about there is just only to enable to yeah. w do more work, because, to warm work. But it's it's also gives you more of an interest point because believe it or not, people don't just like to talk about recruitment. You know, yeah. if you're looking from a business development strategy and you're looking at ways to communicate with your clients and you're looking to try and add value to them, every agency's got candidates. Yeah. Every agency's got candidates. But what can you tell them about the market? What can you tell them about the trends? What can you tell them about their competitors? What can you tell them that's going to add value to them over and beyond just providing the best candidates in the marketplace? And that is where you'll build a long-term trusting relationship. Yeah, okay. Really smart. So one thing that um, I definitely yeah, wanted to get your experience in. So I guess, so first year... How was that? Like, did you obviously billing did that go okay? Or like, what, what's been the, how has that been? Yeah. So again, I think, and it's through blood, sweat and tears. That's so, um, you know, we are a growth on growth, year on year business. Okay. So, um, so what does that mean? So that means, A, it means I was prepared to put skin in the game from, from year one. So uh, initial investments repaid plus profit in year one. Yeah. Uh, year two, 15% uh, growth okay. on year one. And year three, 33% uh, growth. So okay. we've had double digit growth yeah. year on year um, since starting. And that's because we've, we've fundamentally worked to the basic principles of what, what works. Yeah, about, yeah, exactly. And I think otherwise, if you have such a scattergun and lack of focus, lack of strategy, um, and I was guilty of that as a recruiter at my junior years where I was just not focused, then, you know, lo and behold, you're busy, but you can't break past a certain level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But my, my role now and why I was in, you know, keen to get involved in, in these sort of discussions is it's you move away from recruiter to business builder. Um, okay. and, and recruitment owners, yes, um, you know, there's an element of being involved in recruitment, but it's ultimately, you know, you've got to bring the best out of the people that work for you and with you. Mm. You know, so I genuinely care about everyone who works here and wants them to do very, very well. Yeah. Um, so I think you've got to hire people that you want to work with. Yeah. <laughs> you know, culture is very, very important. Um, and then you've got to think about, right, how can you drive the business day by day by day by day? Um, so yeah, I've enjoyed my personal journey and it's not been, look, it's been ups and downs. That's what I was going to say, because no, obviously that's, that's like, honestly an amazing achievement. But like, I, I get messages of people that, they're just one man band. They're sitting in their living room right yep. now or sitting in the home yep. office like, yep. this is fucking horrible. This is yep. way more tougher than I thought it was. This yep. is really testing my resilience. So like, yep. let's just talk a bit about that because like, that's yep. amazing that you've achieved that. But what, what were some of the real tough times and how did you um, push through those? Um, I've had lots of tough times. And look, even day to day, you have your, you know, your, your struggles. But I think one of the tips I'd give people is don't just sit there in your living room. Find mentors. 
You know, I've been very proactive um, in, you know, putting my network and getting into my network and really finding new mentors that can help inspire, educate me and share their journeys. And it's not just necessarily recruitment business owners, mentors, mentors and different, you know, maybe in sales and insurance. So finding people who've got a proven track record of being successful because mindset's very, very important. You know, I've, you know, we've all been there. You're having a poor month or you've just started your business. You're in your living room. You're having a bit of a downer. You're doubting yourself whether you can do it. You know, don't just do that. You know, actually go out there, be proactive, network, find mentors and get sort of, you know, get some ideas and really kind of upskill yourself. I find Mm. a lot of people back to the commute and coast and stagnate. You've got to find something new. If something's not working, yes, you can kind of, you know, have a bit of a down day, but don't stay down. You know, you've got to be proactive. So, you know, go out there and, you know, speak to good, credible people that can actually help you. Okay. I couldn't agree more. I mean, obviously I'm what 10, 10 weeks in starting my own business I've got two mentors yeah. um, definitely helped and I've had a couple of other people that have really been helpful but I think again let's sort of break that down a bit because people listening it's like okay definitely mentors such a quite common word now right and it's something that I'm, I'm definitely really passionate about um, how what's your advice to approach people and because yeah it's great saying go find these people but where the fuck do I find them how do I approach them no doubt these people are busy do you get what I mean? So what's been your experience in finding and approaching these people? Yeah, I think, um, again, it comes back to being proactive. Okay. I think you've got to be proactive. And it's also, I don't just think you should find someone who's been successful. You've got to make sure that they're right for you. So, you know, if you actually follow, there's so much stuff publicly available now. It comes back to cutting corners. You yeah. know, you can actually cut corners in terms of finding mentors. You can easily find anyone that will give you some advice. But yeah. if you actually want to research and find someone that you think can add value to you, um, then target to them. And then you can write to them or call them with genuine passion and enthusiasm enthusiasm for why you want them to be your mentor um i think that's very very important um so how would you approach that so i think it's so the way i've approached it actually i i I believe i guess it's a recruiter in me i'm continuously working so one of my my recent mentors is actually through uh for a family connection okay okay? um on my wife's side um someone who's run a, a a successful business and kind of why why i'm using him particularly for a mentor is he's someone who's scaled and exited a business yeah. um, you know and done it on multiple occasions and and sort of had a lot of challenges along the way and done it from an organic level and obviously that's aspirations that I have yeah. um, and, and, and look to do so you know I've been able to sort of talk their language and, and sort of you know I've made sure I've muscled myself in on certain little events or fam- even family things you know it's going the extra mile it's being prepared yeah. to you know drive 150 miles up to know that they're going to be at a potential you know event where you yeah. can have a kind of one-on-one chat with them um, but you know research there's loads of things online there's loads of events you can go to there's lots and lots of things you can talk to people if you're a recruitment owner you can talk to other recruitment owners there's no yeah. harm in that yeah, yeah, you know definitely. talking to people so yeah basically being proactive and then how how and then how is it definitely how has it most impacted you then like do you know what i mean like what because what what are the what's the typical type of relationship just again out of complete curiosity maybe people listening are interested like does this then you tend to check in with these people once a month do you meet them yeah. do you then say look these are the challenges i'm having is it something you can always check in with like what's the typical relationship and how is it wh- where would you say how has it most impacted you in running your own business i think it's um most of mine tend to be on a sort of formal quasi informal basis so okay. it's more about um being there i think you know i if you're going to find a mentor actually find someone who's actually potentially going to have a genuine care for you okay so, you know sometimes just being able to pick up the phone and say you know i had this strategy it's blown out of the water it's all gone wrong actually just being a voice you know someone you can talk to and have an outlet um but more structured than that i think it's actually about having um you know some sort of regularity so i tend to have monthly kind of progressive you know discussions talks around subjects areas you know identifying problems and and going to them with solutions not just asking can you help me it's like these are my ideas how do you think we can improve them Mm. you know that's the other thing you know even when i do my own mentoring when i'm mentoring people in recruitment or in other industry sectors i say don't just come to me for expecting answers come with some ideas and let's actually discuss how we can improve them um, I think that's very, very important. So how has it impacted you then, would you say, in a nutshell? Uh, 
Firstly, it's been very good for mental well-being in terms of actually keeping positive mm. and keeping focused. So I think it's been very, very good for that. It's helped me in terms of increasing uh, profitability yeah. and productivity of, of team members. Um, and it's made it fun. You yeah. know? It's good learning about and hearing other people's journeys and actually implementing new things. Because mm. then I love learning. I think mm. you know, in any industry, you've got to love to learn. Yeah. Um, and so I love learning new things and being open to learning. Because you know, when I, when I first started, I I was kind of shut off to the whole idea of, oh, you know, I know what I know now. I don't need to know anything more, but that's so wrong. Yeah, you yeah. Know, continuous learning. So uh, that's how it's really helped me. Okay. So before we finish then, mate, mindset. Yeah. Mentioned it a couple of times. Yeah. What sort of, what's been your journey with that then and, and how clearly the mentorship's helped? Like what's been your journey with that and how have you got better to, to cultivate a mindset that serves you rather than yeah, leaves you just being negative all day and, and not being yeah. able to be productive and, and not focused. Like how have you cultivated that and what's been your journey with that? Yeah. I mean, it's been it's been very interesting because I, I always thought whether recruitment was for me, you really? know, when I was had the bad first year and I was just, you know, I was doubting myself um, most definitely. I think sometimes pinch yourself. I think okay. people beat yourselves up, you yeah. know, because you are an in competitive, you know, recruitment tends to be a competitive environment, but take a step back and think, actually, what have I achieved? You know, if you actually have achieved, you know, celebrate those successes. So mm. I think the one thing I always say to people is celebrate the little wins, yeah. you know, to re, because maybe doing a deal or that annual target is so far off and you're having a bad month. But actually, you know, celebrate, you know, if you break into a new client yeah. or, you know, you win a candidate over that you haven't been able to for the last two months. So for me, whatever it is, I've always kind of celebrated the mini wins to mm. kind of keep me eternally positive. And so, so important, surround yourself with positive people, mm. you know, and that's as, as far to say as, you know, if you've got a, you've got a very. Yeah, if you've got, if you've got an office full of negative people, how do you do that? Leave. <laughs> really? that'd be one of my well I mean you can either try and change the culture and try and be positive but there's nothing worse than being in a negative environment with negative people because that's um, you know there's a thing about sort of you know group vine and you know how that negativity can yeah definitely I can agree more. so no I'd, I'd take action of your own career you really? know if you're if you feel like you're in a negative environment it's bringing you down either do your absolute best to try and change it and raise it with management and with directors and try and change it around or leave yeah very simple. I, th I think that's no. I think that's fair. I think definitely. I mean, especially in the world of recruitment, right? It's it's bloody difficult sometimes. And then if if you're even then, if if then people are feeding you even more negativity, yeah, in the the sort of ups and downs that you're experiencing, then that's difficult, right? I had another thing tip from one of my old bosses that I thought was great as well. And they always had uh, a kind of shut off mindset. So every day we used to say shoot from a ten. But, you know, shoot some, from a 10, shoot from a 10 every day. But the way they did that was, you know, no matter what was going on in their personal life, you know, maybe they're, you know, they're having a relationship issue or maybe they've got a health issue or whatever. But whenever they came on their commute to work, because they weren't a commute and coast person at all, uh, they would say, once I go past that red post box, past the off on the way to the office, I forget about everything and I'm on really? game show. I'm, you know, it's like when, it, when we used to play sport back in the day, when you cross the whitewash, you come to play, right? Or when you lace them up, you come to play. So whatever's going on, you need to be able to have a block out mindset. So I okay. actually have every day when I come to work, when I go past a particular building, whatever's going on in my life, I shut it off and it's like, I need to shoot from a 10 today. So if I can shoot from a 10 today and achieve my goals, then I can be productive. Because if all I'm doing is dwelling on all those negative thoughts, it's bringing me down, I'm unproductive, I'm influencing others, with negativity it's just a really really bad place to be so that's just a tip that i got off someone that i use in my day-to-day -day. yeah no i think that's great and, and what you're saying there is that every single day be present yeah do you know what yep. i mean that's that's pretty much what you're saying it's and like take every day. opportunities yeah, yeah yeah so it's like every day when you come to work it, it generally obviously it's cliche but it is a new day but it, it's another yeah it's a brand new opportunity to you shoot know, from a tent as you said exactly you know ask your director to go and shadow a meeting that you'd never dream of asking him to do you know ask someone to go yeah, to, you know, push yourself you know yeah. push yourself to develop day to day um and you'll get more satisfaction from it as well yeah wicked mate well look before um i finish i always like to ask what's uh what's going on in uh, your world mate that's that's uh, worth shouting about what are you excited about uh, well, aside to Kasim Carr, which I'm really, really excited about, we're on a, you know, a 
genuine journey and it's been an absolute whirlwind in a, in a positive way. Um, what else is going on in my world? I'm trying to get back fit. <laughs> <laughs> I used to used to play quite a lot of sport competitively. So I had a lot of friends that, uh, you know, represented the country in rugby and cricket and did okay. very, very well. And that's actually been sort of mentors from afar that have actually gone on to succeed. So I'm trying to get back fit. Um, How are you finding that? Because that, honestly, I think in the, in the last 10 weeks, so... I've always been like, all right. Yeah. I'm not, not going to completely... You're looking in good shape today. No, I look, I look, I look, I'm okay, but like, I'm just classic. I'll just easily fluctuate. Six, eight weeks, I'll be on it. And then it'll yeah. take like two weeks where I'm not that on it. And then I'm back to fucking square one. So like, how is it? How have you found, obviously, maybe even in recruitment, but also just running your own business that I've definitely found out in the last 10 weeks that that has definitely, not consciously, but it's just ended up sort of sacrificing a bit. And I found it just more difficult. Maybe yeah. it's not just an easy excuse, but like, how have you found that? That that must have been, has it been a bit of a challenge then? As your, It has been a bit of a yeah. challenge, but you know, health is wealth at the end of the yeah, day. So you've got is. to be able to, you know, you've got to be able to be dedicated to, to doing it. So it's like everything. You've got to set yourself goals and recruitment that drives you. We talked about the internal drive. You know, I've set myself a goal that I want to get to a, a certain weight and I get yeah. to, to a certain fitness again and really, really enjoy it. Um, and the other thing, it's back to work again, but we're doing some really high profile events um, coming up that I'm really excited about in, yeah. our, in our market. How... Um, quite a few people mentioned events yeah how have they impacted your business so in a very positive way back to the you, you said to me well I'm a recruiter how can I get into you know yeah, a networking yeah, yeah. event well like I've told you know we discussed about building a brand and actually getting your name through a door through yeah. not being known as a recruiter um, you know they've impacted our business because the two events that we're doing we're the only and we're the first legal recruitment agency to actually be involved in the societies oh, wow. uh, because they typically say no recruiters yeah. but because they see us as different they understand our message our yeah. journey and so it's, they see us as trusted advisors mm. and they see us as actually consultants and more than just recruiters so it's impacted us in terms of our branding being known as um you know a very relationship driven kind of you know advisory outfit so it's been very very positive and that's led to more referrals more yeah, recommendations say, and more placements the, the bottom line yeah exactly so yeah me. exactly it's got it's got, <laughs> it's got it's got the referrals it's got the place count uh, that's amazing man. i think yeah no hearing more and more about um events and i think it's so i think i just really believe that recruiters are in such a unique position to facilitate great events put some amazing people in the room if that's from a candidate perspective being able to have access to some br brilliant decision makers and senior people and businesses that you know that they never dreamed of getting access to or learning about them or hearing their perspective of the market and these things i think recruiters are in such a great position to facilitate that there's so many resources out there now yeah, as well to make it um, to make it happen. very true so go on the other mean? thing i'm trying yeah. um trying to publicize is now job specs are old-fashioned Job specs are old fashioned. So why are we not getting our clients to, you know, go, when you go and meet them, let's do some video specs, right? We're okay, doing video nice. interviews. Why are we not flipping it the other side, you know, and actually showing off our clients, you know, and actually that sort of imagery and stuff like that. There's so many new quirky, innovative things. I mean, that's not overly innovative, but there's so much more people can do with resources yeah. available now. Just go for it. Yeah, nice, I like it. So question I always like to ask, mate, um, before we finish is, um, if you could communicate to every single recruiter out there, they'd take on your advice, they would listen, they'd start using your advice tomorrow, what would you say? Um, if you see this as a career, I would generally say never, ever, ever, ever give up. Um, I think that's, you know, you've got to be prepared to go through the through the hard times. And then as an extension of that is you've got to be prepared to improve yourself day by day. So if you're coming to work day by day and you're not looking at how you're improving and you're hitting the same KPIs or you're hitting the same targets, then you've got to really take a step back and analyze that and really think about how you can improve. Um, and I always say, surround yourself by the best people. Never be the best person in the room, like I'm not today, mm. the master of podcasts yeah. next to me. No um, but in all seriousness, you know, surround yourself by very, very aspirational, you know, strong people that are high achievers, because that'll bring the best out in you. Amazing. It's been a pleasure. Cool. Thanks, Thanks ever so much. Cheers, mate. Cheers.